anxiety. I've just had a very good poo. I'm in a good mood and uh, I'm ready to start the show. So welcome to The Strange and Deadly Show. This is a podcast dedicated to the Section 3 list. Of course it is. A cachet of films related to Britain's video analysis. I bet you're thinking about my bottom at the moment, aren't you? Don't think about it. Listen to this. We pair up these films based on a theme. Yes, and we discuss and review them for your and hopefully our entertainment. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes or any good podcatcher and you can find more information about us and the other shows on the network over at gentlemansgrindhouserecords.com. We'll tell you how you can get feedback, comments and questions over to us, not that most of you bother, at the end of the show. Yes, here we are. We're actually recording an episode on time again. Two episodes in a row. My goodness. Well, what do you think about that, folks? Uh, My name, of course, is Chris Clayton. You know me. I'm the squeaky loud one that most people don't like. But there is somebody on this show who most people do like. Who is that? It's Tom Elliott. And I'm all the better for knowing, Chris, about your bowel movement there. Thanks for... Thanks for sharing. Well, I'm happy to do it. You know, I think I, I provide a service and that service is information, of course. And uh, I'm an information broker, you might say. And uh, I like people to know, it's very important that you know that I'm a good wiper. That's that's important. I, I wipe well, first with toilet tissue. After the toilet tissue, I so I make sure everything's polished. After that's done, I then go in with the wet wipes, which is, and it's funny enough, I learned that from Will Smith. Because I don't know oh. Will Smith, but I, I read in an article that he uses the you know the moist toilet wipes that you can get for the old body, and uh, right. I use those. So I make sure, and then I go in again with the toilet tissue afterwards to dry everything off. So by the time I finish, my ring is is looking pretty delicious. You know, I mean, you could eat your dinner off that. It's like a triple threat, isn't it? <laughs> it is, yeah, it is. I don't like unclean underpants. We started off on a disgusting note, haven't we? So I mean, it, and it, and it's my fault. <laughs> It's my fault. How have you been, old Bean? Yes, very well, thank you. Very well. I don't know how well I'll be after talking about these films, but we'll power on as we always do. Oh, Tom, you're giving away crucial bit of information there. But, we, but we, what films are you talking about, Tom? I mean, what, what films could have inspired this reaction from you? Remember way back when, when we were brand new to The Strange and Deadly Show, didn't know what we were doing. It was all this whole brave new world with this Section 3 list. Green we were. Yeah, we decided to start with cannibal movies, and we knew there was more in the future, and as we're sort of past the halfway point now, it's a good time to return to what I think are the last two cannibal movies on the list. I might be wrong, but I think I'm right. I think so. Have our opinion on cannibal movies changed or not? Maybe it's just we had a bad experience last time round, or it was a bit of a 50-50 one last time round, wasn't it? So here you are, we've come back round to the theme of our very first episode, as Tom said. And yeah, I mean, just to sort of fill people in a little bit on on the background, on our background when it comes to cannibal movies. Both of us, not really fans, are we? Not really our kind of thing. I think we prefer, we tend to prefer, um, I think we said on, on, on that first episode, we tend to prefer films set in, in more of an urban setting. And yeah. and these don't really fit into that. There's something about the environments. There's something about the, the sort of the horrible arid nature of it that doesn't quite seem to jive with us. Animal cruelty is a big part of these movies, unfortunately, and, and unfortunately a big part of, of the two we're about to discuss as well. It's never really seemed to jive with us, did they? They didn't, you know, and I've been thinking about that this time round as well. Why is that? Because, I don't know, maybe it's just as a formula and there's not much leeway within that formula. I don't know, but there's always there's always possibilities, isn't there? For, you know, for a good filmmaker to come along with imagination and do something with it. 
but it just seems like maybe the one or two times that this uh, this particular genre has really hit they've kind of made the best of it and then the rest just seems like pale imitations. Yeah, if you look at something like Cannibal Holocaust, which I think we both kind of admire for, for what it is, there are elements of it that I, that I don't admire at all. Of course, the animal cruelty uh-huh. being foremost in that. But I think there is, there's a feeling to that movie that I think is, is really interesting. There's a a sort of oh, I don't know there's a, a creeping kind of terror to it and the music helps with that um, yeah uh, and yeah the, the, there's a lack of polish I suppose that's missing in a lot of these uh, but anyway what are the films that we're going to be discussing on this show uh, there is Eaten Alive which is an Umberto Lenzi film <laughs> and the second one is Savage Terror who which was directed by Sisworo Guatama I I can't ever recall coming across one of his films before. Well, I've got something interesting to tell you. Well, I say interesting, it might only be interesting to me, but I've got something interesting to tell you about Siswara Gautama uh, related to an experience of mine when I was a teenager. Now, before you start thinking that he sexually uh, molested me, uh, <laughs> no, no such inter- That was the first thing to come it to was, mind. It was, wasn't it? I, I could hear it in your voice, uh, thinking, oh, what's, what sort of weird sexual experience has Chris had with this Indonesian man? But... Um, but no, an interesting thing related to my uh, teenage or early 20s, uh, which we will talk about later on. But let's begin with Aiden Alive, of course, is also a, a Toby Hooper film by the same name, yeah. which is uh, Killer Crocodile, but not so here, even though there are killer crocodiles in this, it has to be said. Mm. But uh, why don't you tell us all, Tom, about Eaten Alive? A.K.A. Doom to Die and the Emerald Jungle, which sounds nice, doesn't it? Mm. Directed by Umberto Lenzi, starring Robert Kerman, Janet Agron, Ivan Razumov and Mimi Lay, among others. Police are left baffled by the deaths of three men, each one killed with a single blow dart. The killer meets his own end shortly afterwards, hit by a truck as he attempts to escape. The only clue left on the nameless man is a roll of film left on his body, which shows footage of a purification ceremony. Attending the ceremony is Diana, a woman who went missing some six months ago. I wonder why he was carrying that roll of film around. Mm. Uh, Attending the ceremony is Diana, a woman who went missing some six months ago. I've already read that part. (laughs) (laughs) Her sister Sheila has been looking for it. And with the help of the police, her recent whereabouts have been traced to a man named Jonas. With the help of the footage, they're able to ascertain that Diana is somewhere in New Guinea with Jonas. So Sheila hires a man named Mark to accompany and protect her on the journey in exchange for a healthy sum of cash. Things go awry very quickly when they arrive in New Guinea. There's a tribe living in a cave nearby who still practice cannibalism, coming out to prey on stragglers in the jungle towards the river. To make matters worse, it turns out that Jonas has developed a cult and Diana has seemingly been indoctrinated into believing in him. Mark and Sheila face the perils of the jungle, being preyed upon by the cannibals who kill one of their guides. They feast on a native girl who wandered from Jonas' village, which Mark and Sheila bear witness to, before running off to make an escape. They're soon caught by Jonas' men, who cautiously welcome them to the village. The safety is only a ruse, as almost everyone in the jungle has been brainwashed by Jonas, who sexually assaults and tortures women who reside there. Diana and Sheila reunite, and Diana reveals that she doesn't really believe in Jonas and wishes to escape, with Mark in tow. The threesome wish to concoct a plan to escape from Jonas and his men. However, 
things take a turn for the worse as Sheila begins to fall under Jonas' spell with the aid of the drugged drinks that Jonas makes the villagers consume. Mark is tied up for refusing to drink the concoction, though manages to escape thanks to a friendly native. Things aren't so rosy outside the village, however, as escaping into the jungle might be death in itself, as the cannibals wait to take their next victim. Something happened to Diana. I didn't quite get it straight on the phone. Well, when was the last time you had news of your sister? Well, about six months ago. Why? Something happened? No, not really. Uh, nothing definite. Where is she now? Six months ago, she was here in New York. She was into sculpture down in the village. She called me up a few times. Sounded all right. Then she just disappeared. I didn't actually worry about that, because I was used to Diana acting wild. Well, Sheila, um, some pretty strange things have been happening here in New York and upstate as well this past week. Three homicides. Three men killed with tiny darts dipped in cobra venom. Cobra venom? Yes, all three were killed by the same man, probably uh, an Asian, a melee. But it's hard to tell because he was killed by a truck here on 49th Street. No ID on him. It's weird, huh? We know absolutely nothing about him, except that he's dead. Very, very spooky. Chris, so cannibal movies, do you still hate them or do you like them? Where are you at with this one? I don't know if I've ever particularly hated them. I think that, I've said before, there are aspects of them I hate. For the foremost one of those being uh, animal cruelty. Uh, but I've always been just quite indifferent towards them, apart from a couple of examples, like we said, Cannibal Holocaust. And I think Eaten Alive falls in the category of, of being a film that I kind of <laughs> shrug my shoulders at and go, mm, okay, well, there's, there's another one of these. Uh, that's the way I feel about this. It's it's I don't, It doesn't do anything particularly new. Um, it's, it's quite grisly in places, definitely. Uh, very Italian. I would say, you know, cause this is the Italian one in the double bill. The other film is, is an Indonesian uh, quote unquote cannibal movie. Uh, so, yeah, very Italian in feel. It's got Robert Kerman in it. So uh, that, that tells you something because he was in quite a few of these, actually, quite a few uh, Italian cannibal movies, Italian movies in general. He was a porn star as well, Robert Kerman. Maybe we'll talk about him more a bit later on. But as an overall thing, I, you know, there, there are moments in it that I sort of quite enjoyed i thought it was a slow it had a slow start to it getting into the meat of things um not you know not not a bad movie i would say but not it just is it's not very inspiring to me i think i've just i'm realizing i'm learning as i go on that these are just not the kinds of movies that really do it for me particularly movies that i find particularly fun to watch i would say and and this is one of those really it's it, it's fine you know it's, it's okay for what it is just another one of these I would say. I, I think I liked it a bit more than you. Mm -hmm. It is, um, and I think it's saving grace is there is something a little bit different with it, with this whole cult thing in the jungle. Yeah. You know, it's not just people going out into the jungle and getting mauled by savages. You know, there's this cult there and this whole thing with Jonas and so on gives it a bit of a different vibe to it. And I, I think it's saving grace is it's quite... It's quite a fast-paced movie, you know. There, there are a few dips here and there, but I, I found it it sort of always kept moving, not not always in terms of the action, but the story, you know. And I just felt it kind of zipped along, and I, I sat there and was mildly entertained by it. The, the best compliment I can give it is that of the three that we've seen so far, we'll talk about Savage Terror in a bit, 
it's my favourite one of those three. Mm-hmm. But like you, I am I too am starting to realise that they're just really not for me, to be honest. No, I completely understand where you're coming from. I think you make a very good point with regards to the, to the cult aspect of the movie, which is very different. I mean, I think that's what makes it, you know, makes it stand out perhaps a little bit more. The the cult aspect of it is influenced, but I mean, it's pretty much a rip off, really. But it's influenced by the Jim Jones, the Jonestown, the Jonestown massacre, uh, which is a very, very interesting and unfortunately very tragic uh, real life story of a man who was just utterly um had so much influence over people and spread lies and and uh, do you know much about that tom is he the Kool-Aid guy he's the Kool- <laughs> yeah he's the cool um, he's the Kool-Aid guy that's his legend unfortunately yeah, yeah he's the Kool-Aid guy and uh, so it, it is very much influenced by that i mean jonas you know jim jones jonas you know there's a there's a little bit uh... of you know, there's a little bit of that uh, was it a little bit of that there's a lot of that it was pretty much taken directly from that uh, so that aspect of it, yeah, quite different for a cannibal movie, I think. And I, I feel like it, I was a bit worried as I was going through it that it was the two elements of the plot were going to kind of clash with each other, and they actually don't. They sort of they do do find a way to to meld quite easily, in that you've got the cannibal side of things and the cult side of things. But the two never really, although they meld together, they never really meet in terms of story. Like I was expecting as I was going along, that eventually the cannibals would come in and take over the village and kill everybody. And that never ha- yeah. that never actually happened. They seemed to be preparing some sort of defence, but again, it never... Everything that was to do with the cannibals happened outside of this this village, uh, Jonas's village. So it's um interesting plot element, I think. And with regards to, to pacing, I do agree. Like I say, I think it was, it was slow to get in, but it does sort of move along, really. Once they get to that village, it, it, it does... You know, it does pop along. I never liked Robert Kerman's character. I have to be honest. I and there was another film we watched. Uh, I'm trying to remember what it was now, but it wasn't a cannibal movie. But it was. It could almost have been one. It was. It was a while ago, and it had Mimi Lay in it as well. I can't remember the name of it. It might have been Jungle Holocaust. I'm. I'm, I'm not 100 percent sure, but it is one we covered before. Where again, the lead character in that, played by uh, Massimo Focci, I think it was, uh, unlikable. And I'm the sort of person who, if there's a protagonist, which this guy is, I, 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 I sort of want, I want to root for them. And I didn't particularly like this guy. I mean, he was motivated by money, um, a, a bit of an, a bit of an arsehole. Uh, you know, of yeah. course, becomes a heroic character as, as we go on. But I never quite jived with him. I thought Janet Agrin uh, was was terrible um but it might have been again because this is obviously this movie like all italian movies are overdubbed um at, within this period because they weren't recording with with sync sound at that point so everything had to be overdubbed later uh but i thought her performance in particular was pretty terrible but i like Avin, ivan razumov who plays jonas i thought good face for the screen that guy good bit of charisma for a, a cult leader mm. i think i don't know i i didn't mind Kerman so much he was you know this roguish sort of rough tough adventurer kind of guy but it was just funny he kept punching you know Sheila oh, I was gonna <laughs> say of, I was gonna uh, say any given opportunity well maybe not that much but there's a scene where <laughs> you know they're out in the jungle and she's like you know if uh if any if they catch us I want you to kill me so he just slaps her across the yeah. face and then and then there's a scene later on where <laughs> they're watching a group of cannibals I think and uh 
she she sort of comes over, so he just knocks her out <laughs> with yeah. another punch. He just keeps snotting her all over the place. Yeah, and you don't you know you don't want to you don't want you don't really want to laugh at that sort of you know that uh, physical violence in that way towards a woman, but. It, but it's do, it's almost done in a comedic way. I'm sure they didn't mean for it to be. But yeah, that's the scene later on. I mean, we're, we're skipping ahead massively, but that's the scene where uh, Sheila's sister is being chewed on by a bunch of cannibals and, and eaten. And so it's you know it's a horrific scene, and she's about to come and 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 uh, and and see that Mark or Robert Kerman just punches her in the face. You know, knocks her out, and and it's <laughs> the way that it's it's portrayed is is quite sort of comical. Certainly was to us. But the thing is, they they try and portray it as uh, almost noble when when right. he does do it because the first time it's like she says, "I want you to kill me," and it's like. Don't you dare, you know, don't you dare say things like that. <laughs> you know, as if to say, we're going to get through this, but it's like, okay, maybe a few words would have done better instead of slapping her across the face. I think so, yeah. I think for in terms of equality, she should have been able to give him a couple of slaps now and again, you know, just to even, <laughs> even it out a bit. But but yeah, I didn't particularly like Janet Agrin in this. I thought she was, uh, she was pretty bad. I don't think I've seen her in anything else, to be honest with you. So, uh, you know, I don't know. If, again, it could be the dubbing, you know, because dubbing, most of the time, dubbing, certainly in, in old movies like this, tends to make something more comical than it normally yeah. would have been if you'd heard it in the, you know, in their actual spoken tongue. I mean, a lot of the old Kung Fu movies that I love are, are great movies, but be, with the, when the overdubbing is over the top of them, it, it immediately makes everything sound much more comical because the... The actors who are overdubbing the lines are doing it in a very sort of expressive and theatrical way. So it's a, you know, it could be that. Uh, but yeah, interesting, interesting plot as we kind of get into this village with, with Jonas. And, and and what's interesting to me is that, you know, very quickly Sheila falls under his spell. And he does some, some, some strange things, does old Jonas. One particular scene involves him um, getting a very large dildo, Tom. Uh, a dildo uh-huh. which doesn't look unlike the new microphone that I'm about to use on the next recording, not this one, the blue, the Yeti <laughs> microphone. And he, he's, they kill a snake, which I assume they actually really did kill the snake. Mm. Uh, they kill the snake, they sort of drain some of its blood into a bowl, and then he dips the end of this dildo into the bowl and comes up to Sheila and, you know, jams it in her and... Uh, He's not a very nice man, Tom. He's not. He does a couple of strange things to, to a. At one point, he paints a gold, and you think, "What are you doing that for?" Yeah. You know, what are you really getting from that? Does he actually have sex with her? I can't remember. No, now. I, no, not. Well, he Just... he might have done, off screen, Tom. But no, so not. It's not portrayed in the film that he did. But it, you got to make a raise a very good point there. Like, why did he paint her gold? And he was going to paint her gold and then whip her. Like what? What was the purpose right. of that? Yeah, yeah. I I really don't know. I really don't know. Um, but you know, he he is a very charismatic cult leader, and and ninety nine percent of the people, apart from our little um, trio and Mimi Lay, uh, aren't really under the spell, and they they start to hatch this plot to get away. And I hope we haven't jumped ahead of ourselves too much because we kind of latched onto a couple couple of the absurdisms in this movie. Yeah. Um, but you know, it does start off in New York, which is a very seventies New York, and I love seventies New York in movies. You know, yeah. the the kind of old grimy New York. I think it's great, and there's a bit of business there. And like you said, it, very slow. Mm. 
almost to the point of being, you know, pointless some of it. You know, they track down some woman next to the river who just swears at them for <laughs> you know five minutes and yeah. then then they get off again. You know, that could have been a bit more economically done, but... It was quite funny, though, wasn't it, in the way it happened? Because the, the, the guy only came up to him and said, look, we're trying to find this woman. Get the fuck out of here! And he's like, whoa, okay, I mean, this yeah, is... Yeah, you, you, you did some work for me last year. Fuck off! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Unbelievable. But, yeah, it's but it's, it's a New York... I always find it interesting in these movies where it's a New York but portrayed by an Italian filmmaker and crew. So it's 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 yeah. very Italian in the way it's done. And of course the film begins, I mean Tom read it in the synopsis there with the guy just going around killing people with a blow dart. And uh, that was my noise for uh, uh, a blow dart. But it wasn't very good, was it? But very good. Uh, I gave it my best shot, Tom. That's all that's all one can ask of me. Uh, but it uh, yeah it's, a, it's an interesting beginning there and they never really explain why he has this role of film. And, uh, no. and and what he's doing and what his plans with the role of film are, it just seems to be there as a kind of as a reason for Sheila to be involved in this because of course her her sister Diana is showing up on the footage. Uh, interesting accents, Sheila and Diana. Um, bit of southern, bit of a southern American kind of thing going on there. Not not a South American thing, but a sort of southern Texan kind of accent, I suppose you would say. But uh, done by somebody who clearly is uh, not from that part of the world, so it sounds a bit silly, I think, a bit comical. Yeah. Uh, and both of them, I, I thought the voice actress for Diana was really terrible. Not good at all. No, neither not of them are that good. You know, the guy, the guy who plays uh, Robert, Ker- who might actually, it might actually have been Robert Kerman doing the voice. I don't know, but you know, is it, is sort of like you say, kind of manly and and uh, rough. Nice bit of rough, Tom. Yeah, which the yeah. uh, the boys and girls like out there. No moustache, though. He doesn't have his cannibal holocaust moustache at this point, which no. is a, a shame. But, yeah, you know, is, you can't have everything. It's funny because, he, of course, Robert Kerman was a porn actor as well. And uh, uh, that moustache seemed to fit, didn't it? You know, you look at guys like Ron Jeremy and that. Uh, people like that. Uh, and you think, well, the porn moustache fits in with that era and he doesn't have one. It's very disappointing no. to me personally, Tom, on a personal level. Uh, that he didn't have that, but uh, so yeah, so we're all over the place on this one, aren't we? Um, yeah. But it's because I tell you why it is. It's because I, I'm thinking of of highlights along the way because I just find movies like this a, a little bit stifling for the brain. Really, there's just not a lot to it that I find very compelling. And I suppose that's why I'm I'm going you know back and forth, back and forth, trying to find the bits that I was clinging on to. Why don't we talk about the, the cannibals a bit then, and and sort of try and take us through to to the ending of this the cannibals themselves quite savage they do cannibal type things you know mm. there's i think there's the obligatory um penis oh, being cut I'll off i'll tell you what Tom. if you are a, a man in a cannibal movie and you get captured by the tribe <laughs> you, you just say goodbye say bye bye to the dick because the dick is yeah. the dick is going it's the first thing to go maybe that's like you know the best bit or something, you know, when you get like a, a, a cut of meat and you're like, oh, I'll have the burnt end or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And maybe that, you know, the old bell on the end there, maybe that's why they, maybe that's the good bit, you know, that's, it's nice and juicy and um, <laughs> it's, you know, it's, it's tender and it's, it's ready for a good bit salty. Yeah, a little bit salty in there. Uh, you don't want to get any of it in your eye, of course, because that will cause a redness there and an irritation. 
that is uh, hard to <laughs> hard to hard to get rid of, Tom. But yeah, the the old penis goes off because there's a native guy there who uh, gets captured by the cannibals, and they just yeah lop the old lop the old Thomas off. Off it goes. Sorry, Tom. I don't mean to uh, uh, imply that your name should be related to a penis. I'm just uh, the old John Thomas, as they say, and that uh-huh. goes off. And yeah, they're quite savage. I mean, you know, they sort of pull. <laughs> it's a standard cannibal thing, isn't it? They pull people apart. They have a good old chew on a few bits. They cut off a boob and uh, yeah. have a chew on that, which it looks like. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm not no interest in cannibalism, but it looks like you could make quite a nice sort of decorative bowl out of a boob. Oh my god, what are we doing? What, what are we do- <laughs> What are we doing, Tom? Reviewing films on this know. bloody list. Um, so yeah, so a bunch of people get killed by the cannibals because that's what happens in these movies, and uh, along the way we get. <laughs> the typical, uh, what I like to call the typical Italian cannibal soundtrack, where it's movie uh, music that is tonally inappropriate for the things ah, things that are yeah. going on. Now it's interesting because the the music in this movie, I don't quite know the history of it and such, but the music in this movie was done by a guy named I think his name is is uh, Buddy Giglioni. I might be completely wrong about that. Do you know what, guys? I'm going to load up my music thing because I've got one of his soundtracks in the thing uh, yeah buddy maglioni uh now he's somebody who also did the the soundtrack the score if you like for uh umberto lenzi's next cannibal movie which is cannibal ferox and the music is unbelievably similar and i'm talking to, i'm right. mainly talking about the main theme you know the theme at the beginning of it was like you know that one with the funky 70s bass that that music is almost almost note for note the same as Cannibal Ferox, but it's slightly different. But it's almost there, so it makes me wonder if he just kind of took a piece of music from this and thought, oh, you know, I'll slightly change that for the next one. But it's almost right. the same. I mean, the whole that that bit is is the really sort of seventies disco-y funky bit is almost exactly the same in Cannibal Ferox. It's the same composer in both. They also steal music in this, don't they, Tom? Because there's a a piece of music in here that I believe is lifted right out of uh, and it's during the first scene in which she lives in the bedroom and Jonas comes in takes a piece of Fabio Frizzi's music from Zombie 2 oh does it yeah. I, you know I must have missed it I must have missed it yeah because uh... so and that seems to be the, the way of things doesn't it with with a lot of these these sort of I guess oh, I don't want to say low rent but these and I don't even want to say obscure because Lindsay made a, a lot of movies, but I suppose the ones that are less well regarded, you know, compared to Argento or even Fulci, to be honest, yeah. people like that, Barva, you know, the very well well regarded and well respected critically um, Italian filmmakers or horror filmmakers, Lindsay wasn't really one of those. Although he made, you know, he made a bunch of uh, pretty decent movies over the years. Uh, but yeah, lifting of soundtracks and also. A number of scenes in this movie apparently are lifted from other cannibal movies as well. Nice. Uh, particularly, I mean, you can tell that there's a lot of stock footage, animals attacking each other, mm. uh, you know, people killing animals. Um, Lindsay also did a film which was considered to be one of the one of the very first, if not the very first sort of cannibal movie, which is The Man from Deep River. Have you seen That's that just one? come out over here, hasn't it? I haven't seen it, mm-hmm. but uh, haven't 88 films just released? Have it? they? I didn't know. I think so. I might be wrong, but I think it is. Mm-hmm. So there, if you want to see that, that's there. And apparently he takes some of the stuff from that and a few other things. So there is a bit of a cut and paste job on this, I think. 
Maybe, but fair play to him. It, it's, it seems to zip along at a, a nice pace uh, and things like that until the inevitable kind of escape at the end when they're, um, they're trying to get away from the cannibals. And you know what mm. I find kind of refreshing? That there wasn't any of this, who's the real savages? You yeah. know, and, and none, of, none of this, which is fine, you know, if you can do it well and you can put that subtext in there but here it was more like shit there's cannibals let's kill them before they kill us you know it was just like let's get out of here and you know they got away unfortunately not all of them got away but um a couple of them did you know mark and sheila did quite a a decent sort of escape at the end but unfortunately a couple of them get to eat by cannibals before they do yeah and quite brutally as well in the case of of Diana she really gets it quite badly I mean considering beforehand she she'd been raped uh, by one of the one of the guys one of one of the uh, I'm trying to think now one of the guys from Jonas's village who's like Mm. a uh, you know a hired brute as it were Uh, he unfortunately rapes Diana but then the cannibals attack them and then kill everybody and then they Unfortunately for Diana, who I felt after having gone through that horrible experience, really, if she was going to die, deserved to have died quickly, is unfortunately, yeah. you know, tortured to death and eaten. And they, you know, they cut off her, like as they cut off her, one of her breasts and and eat that. And it's just a horrible, you know, a horrible thing, horrible moment. And yeah, like I say, these these cannibals are, are quite savage, you know, no pun intended, in, in their brutality and the violence of it. And there's plenty of, plenty of offal and intestines and people... People chewing on meat, <laughs> you know. It's the if you love cannibal movies, you're gonna love this, you know. If you don't, yeah, and if yeah. you don't, you won't. Uh, I, I promised Gore Blimey, who is you know an animal lover, like I, like I think we all are, and and uh, that we wouldn't sort of go into explicit detail about the animal cruelty, but it, and we won't do that. But it's, it's suffice to say, it, it's there. There are animals killed on film for no reason at all, you know. Yeah. Like I've always said about these movies, and. I'm sure some people will disagree with me about that, but I say the same thing about Cannibal Holocaust. I think it would still be an effective movie even without the animal cruelty. Yes, people have a reaction to it, of course, and it's a disgusting reaction. They don't like it. But I think that it would still work as a movie. As a concept, it would still work. The concept of the Westerner goes into the jungle to study or to meet these um, these native tribes, these primitive tribes, if you like, and... In some cases, it's just that they shouldn't have gone there. They're in the wrong situation. In some cases, it's that they're acting absolutely horribly, and they are, in fact, as as you were saying before, Tom, they are worse than the savages, and so they deserve to be killed by them. You know, and I think that's a good enough concept. You don't need to see animals being killed on it does nothing except disgust. I really can't understand why it was so prevalent. You know, was there a desire for this? Was it just to try and shock people and some people say there's no such thing as bad publicity. So, you know, if there's all this written outrage of, oh, so many animals were killed in this, was it then sort of amping up the curiosity factor with people saying, oh, right, I've got to go and see that, that schoolboy kind of mentality that that is in a lot of people. You know, it's the same reason why people always stare at a car crash as they drive past mm. it, the, because it's it's within people, unfortunately. And that's all I can put it down to because I don't want to sit and be watching that stuff when I'm supposed to be. Uh, it's strange, you know. Give me movie violence every day of the week, but that's not what it's about, you know. Yeah, I've never been interested in in real life violence. You know, that's not something that 
that particularly gets me going. Uh, I have to say, it, it, the, I like the idea of it being a special effect, a magic trick, if you like. And uh, yeah. I've always enjoyed that about horror movies. So, you know, since I was a young kid, growing up watching you know George Romero movies and seeing the effects work of, of Tom Savini, for example, and thinking, okay, well, that's a magic trick. I love that. And and not the case here. You have to actually see something being killed for no apparent reason. They don't appear to be doing anything productive with it. You know, this is where we get into the argument. People who are perhaps vegetarians might be thinking, okay, well, are they ever doing anything productive with animals? Well, I can't, you know, I, I can't answer that. I'm a meat eater. Um, all I can say is that I don't believe in the deaths of, of animals for no reason at all, for just for the sake of it, for doing something shocking. I don't believe in that. Um, so unfortunately we have you know a bit of that here and even more of it in in the next movie but you're right tom the the ending of this one it zips along quite nicely you know i, I here's the thing you know we, we come back to what you said at the beginning there like I, I don't hate it it just is not really it's not my bag you know it's just not yeah, my bag yeah. it's the kind of movie i'll watch and i go mm, okay you know a few a few things in there that i thought well, highlights here i can understand why if you're a cannibal movie you might uh, sorry a cannibal fan you, you might kind of enjoy this but it's just not it's not inspiring to me in particular i sort of ended it and thought yeah it's it's another one of these it's 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 fine i can imagine if you've got a real thing for this this sort of thing this is bound to be part of your collection and it's probably going to be one of the better ones but yeah it's it's, a, it's another one for me it, it's fine you know at the end of it robert kerman doesn't get his money because sheila hasn't got a penny to her name so there's that yeah and and they don't want to announce what's happened to the press for political and economic reasons whatever that means <laughs> yeah yeah never, never expanded upon is it exactly what that means uh, and of course it, you know we should say just to kind of skip back a little bit because this is inspired by the jim jones the jonestown massacre at the end of it all they of course drink all the the uh, inhabitants of the village will start drinking this uh what is supposed to be the kool-aid i suppose but in this case it's this concoction that's been made up with snake venom in it and they all pass out and and die apart from one little girl who the uh, the police find there and unlike the jonestown massacre where jim jones himself died i don't think he drank the kool-aid actually jim jones i think he shot himself today but I'm, I'm not quite sure on that i'm hazy with the memories but in this one jonas actually escapes and we don't we don't know what happens to him. I was expecting him to turn up and blow dart Robert Kerman or something at the end <laughs> yeah. and, you know, run away. Uh, but no, nothing. Right. He escapes and he's still out he's there. He's still out there, Tom, ready to create another commune. And it could happen here in the UK, Tom. And it could be you, you and me. You and me going oh. there and becoming inhabitants of a village and drinking snake venom. You never know. And who wants... Who wants that, Tom? <laughs> well, it depends where it was. You know, if it was somewhere nice, I think about. Yeah, it. like Chiswick or Hearn Bay. Yeah, I'm. Uh, yeah. I'm definitely out for it. So that's it. That's eat, eating alive, really, isn't it? Oh, sorry, Tom. I didn't give you your your final sort of verdict on on this. I kind of liked it, but I, I think my expectations expectations were quite low. But it it was it was okay to kill an hour and a half. I I, I sort of enjoyed it, but not to the point where I'd watch it again. It, mm -hmm. It's probably. My list of cannibal movies is very short. Cannibal Holocaust at the top, and then probably this, you know. Mm -hmm. But that's about as long as the list goes. So I, I'm just really not a fan of the genre. But uh, yeah, so it's all right. Have you seen Cannibal Ferox, the the uh, the follow up film that uh, Umberto Lenzi made a year after this? I have not. I know it's quite. Uh, you know, that's always the other name that comes up, isn't it? As well as Cannibal Holocaust. But I haven't ever got round to seeing it. 
mainly probably because I'm just not really into them that much. Yeah, it's it's not as good, but it, it's mm. um. You know, it's an interesting piece. I, I personally, I think it's it's probably better than this. But then it doesn't have that sort of interesting twist to it that this has. So I don't know. You you know, pick your poison. I suppose is the best way to yeah, yeah. best way to say it. But yeah. So let me tell you about how you can get this film if you so desire. You folks out there listening at the moment, if you haven't fallen asleep, uh, the original UK DVD release of this film came from the notorious Vipco. Do you remember them, Tom? I do. If, if you come from a certain generation, if you're old enough, we all owned a Vipco release or two back in the day. I had a couple <laughs> on VHS and a few on DVD. And yeah, interesting company that was. You know, they put out some stuff that was obscure and quite rare, but uh, it was all either cut or the, the transfers were truly diabolical. Uh, not a company that cared about quality particular, uh, in particular. Um, so yeah, the Vipco release, true to form, this version is heavily cut, excising many of the more controversial scenes and being badly edited in general. This is, however, the most common and easy-to-find release over here. Uh, now, there's a company called Njutta Films, or it could be Jutta. The end might be silent. I don't know. Uh, but it's Njutta Films. Uh, they release an uncut Region 2 DVD, which seems to have all of the excised footage included, but this release is rather pricey and uncommon. I think I saw a used copy for about 35 quid. Uh, so, hey... If you've got the money and you want it, you can, you can do that. But uh, not the sort of money I would spend on it. Uh, in the US, the film has a now out-of-print DVD release from Shriek Show. This version is uh, also quite expensive to buy. I think it, it's like $100-something, dollars, uh, but it is uncut. Alternatively, the film can be watched on YouTube if you're not hankering for a physical copy to own. So there you go. That's Eaten Alive there, the first in our Cannibal Double Bill, Tom. Yes, and uh, a pleasant surprise. I was wasn't expecting much, but can that continue? That's the question. Well, Tom, you know it's an interesting thing. Who knows what we might think of this next one? The second film here. It's called Savage Terror. It's an Indonesian film released in 1980, also known as Primitives. It was directed by your man there, Tom Siswaro Gautama. You know him, don't you? Yes, yes. The, your your teenage friend. Yeah, yes. exactly. yeah but calm down. Uh, star, starring <laughs> Barry Prima or Prima rather, Barry Prima. Uh, any. <laughs> oh dear, this is where we're going to run into problems here. Now, I do apologise if anybody happens to be listening in Indonesia and thinks, my goodness, like, why can't you get these names right? I am sorry, I'm I'm but a young lad from London, England, and I don't always know what I'm saying. So Barry Prima, I think this is pronounced any Hariono and Johan Mojono, among others. Now, let me read you the synopsis of this one. So Tommy, Robert and Rita are three excited university students who have travelled to the jungle to meet a native tribe as part of their studies. They hope to write about their experiences there and the tribe welcomes them with open arms after an intriguing ceremony replete with the drinking of blood to finish the welcoming. Despite their positive experience at the village, the trio desire more earthy experiences, so they ask their guide Bisma if they can venture deeper into the jungle in search of a more primitive tribe that they can study. Bisma is initially against the idea, but succumbs once more money is put on the table, and so the three venture off down the river on a raft, along with Bisma and another guide. Trouble soon hits when the group lose control of their raft, crashing into the rocks and plunging them into the river. Robert, Rita and their guide manage to pull themselves ashore while Tommy and Bisma remain missing. 
The trio explore the jungle, running into snakes and wild creatures, and getting more and more lost until the guide spots members of a tribe hiding in the bushes. It isn't long until the trio come across more of the tribe, large in number, and the guide runs in panic into a death trap that sends jutting spears of wood through him. Or as I like to think of it, on based on watching the film, jutting spears of rubber, because mm. they bend around his body. <laughs> don't know like what at all. Uh, Robert and Rita are left to their fate, being captured by the tribe, who proceed to tie them up and look upon them with wonder. Now caged together, the twosome can do little but watch the rituals and customs of the tribe. Meanwhile, Bismarck and Tommy roam the jungle separately, still alive but exhausted and hungry. Bismarck is afraid of the evil spirits in the jungle, shooting his gun at any movement. Tommy, on the other hand, is wounded and infection is setting in. As the two roam the dangerous jungle, Robert and Rita ponder their fate. Perhaps an opportunity to escape will arrive, and they're hoping it's soon, because death is just around the corner. <laughs> what are we going to do, Robert? They'll torture us, and there's no hope. Nobody even knows where we are. <laughs> Rita. I don't want to die, Robert. Even when they miss us, no one will know where to look. Don't give up hope, Rita. We're not dead yet. There is one person who can help us. Somebody who's been known to work miracles. Who do you mean? Our Lord. Thomas G. Elliot. What did you think of Savage Teller, my boy? I think we should probably preface this review with... The copy we had looked like crap, didn't it? Yeah. It was it was a VHS rip, very dark, still had that those sort of horizontal lines that go up the screen every now Track, and again. Tracking issues, yeah. It's funny because some people really loved VHS format and hanker for those days. I just don't. Yeah, you know? it's, I'm the same. <laughs> I think everyone's a lot better yeah, now. I'm the same. So there is that. So it, it's unfortunately slightly um, at a disadvantage from the previous film. But... We spoke about the last one maybe having a bit more to it because it's got this unique thing about this cult in the jungle and it adds a bit of extra dimension to it so it's not just people running off into the jungle and getting savaged by cannibals. Savage terror is people running off into the jungle and getting savaged by cannibals. <laughs> that is it. That it's, that's all it's got to it as far as I'm concerned. There's a, a slightly interesting bit at the start where... They meet a friendly tribe, and you think, well, it's nice that they've shown that not every tribe in the jungle is, you know, a savage cannibal. So, well, that's nice, but that's where it ends. That is completely where it ends. They go into the jungle. Uh, I think maybe one or two people get killed. A couple of them get captured, you know, get poked about a bit and terrorized by the cannibals. Then they try and escape. But it's just, it is that thing that just totally uninspired cannibal movie where that's all it is they go to the jungle they get terrorized by cannibals they try and escape some of them do some of them don't it doesn't look particularly good part of that's going to be down to the copy we watched i suppose it hasn't inspired as much sort of um disdain in me as some of the things we've watched you know that jess franco zombie movie thing where i was just like oh my god this is the worst thing ever (laughs) you know it it hasn't quite got me to that level but it was just mainly boredom 
but but not really that level of like disdain and hatred or whatever you want to call it, but just boredom, and that was me. How about you? Okay, well, uh, right, <laughs> before I, I tell you my opinion of the movie, I, can I tell you that story that I was going to tell you? Uh, I promised I earlier wait. on about it. Is that, <laughs> it's not that exciting, really, but it, it, I don't know. It's exciting to me. I'll tell you what it is. So the director of this movie is, uh, as we've said before, is a man by the name of Siswaro Gautama. Mm. And the lead star in this, the guy who sort of kind of has the movie star looks, as uh, the guy who played Robert, and uh, his name is Barry Prima. While I was doing the research for this movie, because I expected it to be really, 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 really terrible. It's got a 2.9 uh, rating on IMDb. Not that IMDb matters that much necessarily um, in terms of its ratings and things like that, because the IMDb crowd are a little bit crazy, let's be honest. Uh, if you look at some of the comments in there, they're not they're not well people, Tom. <laughs> they're, not, they're not mentally <laughs> well people, a lot of them. But um, So I was looking up information about Savage Terror, and I was like, okay, that's an interesting film. And I happened to click on... on Barry Prima's name. And I'm looking on there, and there's a there's a film there, one of the films that he did after this, and it's a film by the name of The Warrior. And I'm looking at the at the film, and I'm like, I'm looking at his face, and I'm looking at the picture of the the cover of the film, and I'm like, is this is this that film? I saw a film when I was uh, in my late teens early 20s at the latest that was on channel four uh, at the time when channel four used to show, show really interesting um edgy cinema late at night it was usually after yeah. midnight they don't do it anymore but um that they, they kind of reserved channels like film four for that but at the time that didn't exist and, and they were showing this film which was this crazy weird martial arts movie with decapitations with uh really bad effects with bad fighting uh, and there's one particular character, the hero character, who gets his eyes gouged out with needles, um, but then supernaturally grows them back later on. And I was like, and I, 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 it's always been stuck in my memory, that movie, for just how bad it was. I always wanted to see it again to see if I could get a copy of it. And But I always thought it was an Indian movie. And so I couldn't, and I used to look it up, like Indian movie, eye gouging, couldn't find it. And it turns out that, this that that was this movie, The Warrior, directed by Siswaro Gotama and starring Barry Prima, who became an action star and became this sort of big-ish kung fu star. It was he wasn't very good at it, you know. He wasn't he wasn't gonna uh, take take Bruce Lee's crown anytime soon. But uh, and it was that movie, and I was like, holy fuck, that's the movie I've been looking for for years. So my story, I told you, it wasn't that exciting. My my story, my story is that. Because of it, the, doing the research for this film, I've managed to find a, a movie that I've been looking for for 12, 11, 12 years, which was wow. that, The Warrior. And I highly recommend, even if you don't you don't fancy seeing the movie, go on, on the internet, uh, on the internet, go on YouTube and look up a film called The Warrior from 1981. Now, you're going to see a lot of um, clips for... Uh, the Road Warrior from Mad Max, because that was released the same year. So there's a lot of that. But there's a trailer for the film called The Warrior. And look at that. And it's there's about three minutes of it there where it's just insanity. People getting their arms, their heads chopped off, but they can still look around, even though their head's been chopped off. And there's the hero there, played by Barry Prima, the, the lead guy in this. Um, yeah, Like I say, getting his eyes gouged out, but then he breaks a wall open with his bare fist. Like, it's just, it's insanity. It really reminds me of that film, uh, Riccio, the story of Ricky. Which, have you ever seen that, Tom? 
It's a really fun, stupid, silly movie with a guy in prison who it's it's based on a manga and um the, the, the guy can punch people and then punch through their stomachs and things like that like it's really stupid but it's really fun and sort of entertaining and it reminds me a bit of that so the warrior 1981 and i managed to find it again thanks to doing the research on this anyway so that's my that's a uh, reviving a childhood dream of mine Tom, i can tell that you're incredibly <laughs> excited and interested in this story um, shall I tell you my opinion well, of Savage Terror now? I know you're gripped by uh, by this tale. Yes, but uh, you know, I hope if they ever bring it out on Blu-ray, they include that story in the special features. <laughs> they, should, they, should, they should put me on the commentary track and just have me retell that story, shouldn't they? It'd be fantastic. By the way, I'd look for a DVD copy of it. It's 37 quid. No. Uh, what the warrior yeah, yeah. Oh, it's like I, I do want to see it again but I'm not paying that much for it okay so Savage Terror like I said in, in my gripping story a moment ago um, <laughs> you utter bastard Tom you bastard you bastard uh, I, I thought I expected this to be really 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 terrible and I don't think it's terrible it's not very good uh, for a cannibal movie there's no cannibalism in it at all uh, yeah. you know there's okay. There's animal deaths, of course, animal killings, people eating animal parts and all that sort of stuff. But there's no actual cannibalism inflicted on another human being in this. Most of it appears to be cruelty towards animals or animals fighting each other, uh, that sort of thing. Uh, yeah, the Indonesian film scene, not something I'm particularly familiar with. I mean, the my two favourite Indonesian films are, are the two raid films the two kung fu movies the raid and the raid 2 which weirdly yeah. are directed by a welshman but um a, nonetheless a fantastic example two of the best kung fu movies ever made by five you haven't seen them check them out uh this not so much but i, I expected it to be genuinely terrible and there are terrible things in it like you say it just doesn't really stand out does it it just it's the it's the typical thing except it doesn't have the grisly cannibalism that you expect which somehow makes it that much more boring i think yeah. Having said that, I thought there were moments of it where it it kind of appealed to me as more of a kind of adventure film, a jungle adventure film. I think it has more of that feel of it. Um, they're trying to do something perhaps akin to Cannibal Holocaust. They haven't quite got the formula right. The tribe themselves, the tribesmen and women themselves, are kind of portrayed quite comically, I think. Where they're yeah. they're pretty much close to be <laughs> yeah yeah pretty much close to being ooga booga ooga booga ooga booga. You know, it's that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but you know, at least, Hey, there's a, it's an interesting element of it in that there's no nudity, really. There's no sort of exploitative in the way that the Italians tend to do where the nudity comes across as being a bit exploitative. I think there's none of that here. I mean, even when they, they start, um, when Robert, uh, you know, Barry Prima, of course, from the warrior, 1981 childhood dream, he, uh, when he's tied up, they start stripping him down, don't they? And I and I had that feeling because we've seen it a few times now, Tom. I thought, oh dear, here we go. They're going to take his underpants down, and the old Willy Willy Wonka's going to go. But it didn't happen. They left his underpants on. They left her clothes on. So there's a there's more of a respectful angle to this, I think, in in a strange way. Hmm. Maybe I I don't know. Maybe it's a cultural thing. There must have been some naked tribes women around, but. Mm. I, I don't think they were presented in the same way as, like, uh, you know, the main character in the last one. What was her name? Uh, Sheila. Sheila. You know, they, that was more of a, like, ta-da, here's naked Sheila. I mean, the woman in this one, Rita, beautiful woman, I think, if I remember rightly, um, and she did have, like, this sort of 
top on with a cleavage right up here. You you were sitting there thinking any minute now that's going to pop open or a cannibal's going to rip that open and that'll be the obligatory, you know, boob shot. But you're right, it never came. I mean, why no cannibalism in this, Tom? Like, it... it because it's sort of billed as a cannibal movie. Really, it's more of a, a sort of jungle adventure with a bunch of idiots. Because let's face it, the trio are, they're idiots. You know, they are, like yeah. most university students, stupid. They have made a decision to go, they've met a friendly tribe. You've done it. You've you've reached the apex of this situation, which is that you've met a, a friendly bunch of people who welcome you into their village and call you their brothers. Why then decide that that's not enough? You know, <laughs> haven't you seen how cannibal holocaust work? Don't don't go any further. But they decide to venture deeper into the jungle. It, 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 but no cannibalism. No, none of the grisly stuff that you expected. It's pretty dry, really. Over apart from the animal, you know, the animal cruelty stuff, which is horrible anyway. It seems to be an abundance of it here. Why is there none of that stuff here? Maybe we're lumping in with cannibal movies, and it really isn't one. Mm. It's more of a savage native movie. Uh, but you know, just trying to piggyback the cannibal stuff. I don't know. I I really don't know. But um, I'm not sure whether it it really would have saved it for me personally. But I I see what you're saying. It just doesn't quite get nasty enough to to stand out for the crowds, apart from the animal killings, which we you know we don't like anyway. Exactly, a savage native movie. At least it wasn't a savage garden movie, hey? You remember them flying to the moon and back and all that? Yeah, mm. yes, Chris. That was almost as good as Just, your story about the warrior. <laughs> you know what, Tom? Sometimes, sometimes things come into my head, and if I don't say them, if I don't get them, get them out, Tom, they'll pollute. Pollute what little brain power I have left. Yes, uh, Savage Garden, by the way, Australian band, pop band, not very good, really. If they were massacred in a movie, I wouldn't have minded at all. Yeah, put put them into mm. this, getting Savage. That might have saved yeah, it. Yeah, Savage Terror. Kill, kill the Aussies. <laughs> not all of them, just the ones in the band. Anyway, uh, Savage Terror there. <laughs> no, we're not We're not done with the review, are we? It, it's... um. Okay, so we have two sections of the group that get split up, of course. And, you know, uh, Robert and Rita get, get kind of held up there in, in a little prison, a little cell, and just sort of kept there in prison. There's a monkey in there, poor monkey, who unfortunately gets, you know, killed. Uh, I, I don't know if they actually... I don't know if they killed... I hope they didn't kill that monkey. I don't know if they actually did, because they sort of... They don't really show the explicit detail of that, but there's, a you know, a monkey in there. I don't really know what to say Tom, about the... Uh, the thing is, normally I, I will sit there with a pad making notes mm. about a movie, but this, it just washed over me like it was nothing, you know what I mean? Mm. There just didn't really seem to be that much going on. I mean, there's a scene at one point where Rita and Robert are, are locked up in the cage, and to try and aid their escape, they teach basket weaving to the women of the the tribe mm. and, and as a diversionary tactic. Hey, you want to learn basket weaving? And it kind of reminded me of that scene in Airplane where they <laughs> teach that tribe how to play basketball. But then one of the male tribesmen comes over and he's like, ooh, ooh. Yeah. And, and stops them weaving stuff. And so that's the end of that escape plan. But it just, I don't know, mate, there's just nothing to latch onto it for me. Yeah. I mean, the escape was okay, I suppose, but 
you know, I, th- I think we might as well get to that because there's really nothing else going on. There's another guy called Tommy who's been out on his own for a lot of it. And when Rita and Robert escape, they manage to bump into Tommy and, you know, they get a little bit away. And instead of, you know, if that was me, you wouldn't see me for dust. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't stop. I would be going on and on. Well, they stop and they have this conversation about, well, could you teach them how to do this? Could you teach them how to do that? And I think Tommy even actually wants to go back to study them for a bit. And and they have this conversation about, well, I don't think we can teach them to do this. We tried to teach them basket weaving, but it was just they were on a different level. Yeah, yeah. And it was like, you stupid <laughs> fucking people. It is like when you meet someone who is very book smart, you know, but just hasn't got a clue about life and how to function in the real world. But they would put them in an exam against you. They would wipe the floor with you. But they would go in the pub and get, you know, the shit kicked out of them within 10 minutes because they just don't know how to function in the real world. That's what these people are like. Yeah, everything they know they've read in books. And they've not actually yeah. lived life. They've not had had experiences. And when they do have the experiences, experiences that would make the rest of us go, okay, I'm getting out of here, never coming back. They are, like you say, they stop for a shower. And actually, to, to Tommy's credit, he says at the end of that, uh, nope, I, I'm not coming back again. Once I'm gone, I'm gone. Uh, but Robert and Rita are like, oh, don't you want to come back again? No, 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 no! You don't, you don't do that. You leave forever because if you go back again, you are going to die. Uh, yeah, incredibly stupid people. Uh, like I say, reflective of most university students. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna get into terrible trouble for saying that. It's only a joke, folks. Um, but yeah, and then, but I sort of quite enjoyed the escape aspect of it, even though it it did make me laugh. That there's a, I mean, Tommy's been wounded. There's there's a big fight that happens where Barry Prima gets to show off his kung fu skills. Remember, Tom, he's gonna star in The Warrior a year from now. Uh, also directed by Swiss Swiss uh, Swiss, Swiss, Swiss Swiss Cheese. Uh, he's gonna do, he's gonna direct that the warrior where uh, Barry Prima does some kung fu uh, moves and he's gonna do some of those in this film as well, and uh, he chops up some of those cannibals with his karate moves, um, which he's not sh- he's he not shown up until this point. But he and then there's a there's no. a big fight and then the the lead chief chief lead the lead chief he throws a spear and hits Tommy in the in the stomach with it and Tommy's really really badly wounded um something there's a couple of hilarious things that happen first of all the, I, I, no, I didn't know if you knew this Tom but have you ever like made a makeshift axe maybe when I was a kid probably right. yeah yeah what, what were you doing as a kid then to have warranted that <laughs> back, back when I lived in the jungle as a child which yeah. is why I don't like these films. fair fair point bad memories fair point uh, so you, you I, now I don't know if you're aware. If you make a, a makeshift axe, if you throw it at somebody, um, it, what will happen is you might think, "Oh, well, I'll throw it at somebody," and of course, if I miss them, it will fall to the ground. No, 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 no. What, what happens is you throw the axe at somebody's face, and it does a boomerang around their head and comes back and hits you in the neck, <laughs> uh, which is what happens to the chief in one of the most comical moments in, in the movie, unintentionally comedic. He throws this axe at. At Robert, and instead instead of it hitting Robert or like you know falling beside him or behind him, it just boomerangs in the air around him and comes back and hits himself in the neck and he dies. But there's been no such silliness in it mm. before, as there. So it's just totally out of left field, yeah. you know, 
there's been none of it, and all of a sudden this boomerang axe just <laughs> does a and it's hits them back. Yeah, in the and air. it's all played very seriously before that. And then there's another moment that made me laugh, which is when Tommy, Robert, and Rita they get to the river. They're finally at the river now. They know if they can get to, onto the river, they can follow it downstream, and it's going to go, and they're going to be able to escape on their way home. And they lay Tommy down near this tree, and Tommy begins to hallucinate about his life when he used to, ooh, he used to do exciting things like eat ice cream with his girlfriend, and um, that's about it, really. That's pretty much all he did. <laughs> but hey, ice cream's good. I like ice cream. Um, I'd eat, mm. eat it with my girlfriend as well. So Tommy and I have that. Tommy and I have that in common. But the two, <laughs> Robert, Robert, and Rita make the decision. But what we're going to do is wait here, Tommy, for for just a moment. We're going to go and <laughs> make a raft. Well, Tommy's only laying there for 30 seconds and they managed to make this raft that would have taken them hours to put together. Yeah. How, yeah. Do, they, how do they manage that, Tom? It's a pretty sturdy raft, isn't it? It would probably get you across the Atlantic. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty well put together. It is. You know, it's got a rudder system on it and yeah, everything. And constructed in 30 seconds. Uh, quite <laughs> remarkable. And, of course, they get onto the raft and they're like, yay, freedom, we made it, we're going home. Now, I was thinking at this point, because Robert was standing up, and I actually thought that the way it was going to end was that someone was going to throw a spear and kill Robert while he was standing there triumphantly. But it doesn't happen. Yeah. He said Tommy slips away. Uh, poor old oh. Tommy, uh, who I, I quite liked Tommy. You know, he was a nerdy guy. He had a hell of a time. All he wanted to do was go home and eat some ice cream with his with his betrothed. And he couldn't do that, Tom. He died on that raft. And it's a bit of a downbeat ending where they're like, no, Tommy, oh, you'll never eat ice cream again. Oh. And, and that's the end of the movie, really. And you sort of walk away from it thinking, and, and I walked away from it, uh, thinking, I, I thought it was going to be genuinely really, 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 like, abysmally terrible. I think the Jess Franco cannibal movie that we watched in the first episode is worse than this. Yeah, yeah. Um, But this is just, eh, you know, it just, it doesn't say anything, and it doesn't do anything, and there's a lot of stupid things in it, and it doesn't, like you say, for a supposed cannibal movie, it doesn't really... I mean, who built it as a cannibal movie, really? Perhaps we're the ones who kind of gave it that, you know, True. gave it that categorization. It's really more of a movie that happens to be set in a jungle with a tribe there, but it's really more of a sort of jungle adventure survivalist kind of thing. It just doesn't stand out, does it? It's it's difficult. It's been a difficult one to review, to be honest, because apart from, you know, the hammer throw, <laughs> uh, Tommy's ice cream. <laughs> that story about the warrior there's really just nothing mm. else to it so you know I, I can't imagine ever watching this again no no not at all but look not as awful as i expected it to be i thought this was going to be really abysmal it would have been nice to have seen a better copy of it certainly but it looks like yeah, yeah. it looks like this is one of those films that is i mean this is lost mate this is nobody's going to ever be giving this a, a restoration or anything like that. Perhaps it's not deserving of one either because there's nothing that particularly stands out about it. However, if you have watched this movie and you thought, Do you know what, I, I'm not that fond of it, but I would like to see more from old Siswaro Gotama. Swiss cheese, as I called him earlier. Not because I was trying to be offensive, just because I couldn't remember what his name was. Uh, I suggest seeking out a film called The Warrior, released in 1981, starring Barry Prima. Uh, where he plays an action man who punches people in the face and his eyes grow back after being gouged out. It's a wonderful film from the little I remember of it as a kid. And, uh, hey, if you want to pay £37 for it and send it my way, oh, I'll love you. I'll love you with everything I've got. My tongue, a finger, everything. 
I'll, <laughs> I'll give you everything you want. So uh, that's it, Tom. That's Savage Terror there, an Indonesian film. I'd like to see more Indonesian films, definitely. Um, this film is extremely obscure with no known UK DVD release and certainly nothing with the high quality transfer as we've said. The two easiest easiest to find versions were both released in America. Now firstly, Video Asia released the film under the title Primitives as part of a double double bill alongside Ghost Ninjas. Hey Tom, that sounds good, doesn't it? Ghost Ninjas. Does actually, oh. yeah. Yeah. Oh well, I'd watch that. In a package entitled Tales of Voodoo Volume Two. Uh, wow. Yep. So there's that. Video Asia also released a box set containing 10 films, including the aforementioned double bill of Primitives and Ghost Ninjas. This is a repackaging of several of their releases under the title Grindhouse Experience Presents Eye on Horror. Both releases are Region 1 encoded. Now, as far as I'm aware, Video Asia are a bootleg company, and I believe that um, the version we watched is the version that they released. So it's... I yeah. See. So. Yeah, if you if you buy those, be aware that it's probably going to be the same crappy copy that we watch. Alternatively, you can find the film on YouTube, most likely sourced from the Video Asia version, a bad quality VHS rip, which is the same one we watched. So, hey, if you want to see exactly what we saw, it's there on YouTube under the title Savage Terror. And that is the last film of the double bill. Well, that's the last film we're going to cover there, the end of the reviews. Uh, I don't know, Tom, how do you feel about the cannibal genre now? Um, Mainly unchanged mainly unchanged i i think i've got my probably second favorite cannibal movie out of this in eaten alive i thought it was a bit of a good time you know what i mean but as you can tell i don't say that with the greatest amount of enthusiasm so you know and it, it is kind of interesting i mean you touched on it there video asia putting these out and I wonder who owns the rights to this. Mm. I can't. I don't think anyone is sitting there thinking, "Oh, I really want to put out a good release of this." And it's interesting how some of these films will just die out with time, won't they? Yeah, some of them on VHS have never even made the journey to DVD, let alone Blu-ray, and will yeah. will yeah will most likely just die, and and somebody will have a, a v, an old VHS copy of it somewhere. But for the most part, you know, most of us will never see them. It's an interesting. Yeah. Would you say that Eaten Alive spoke to you, Tom? Maybe on some level. It would. Maybe maybe not like the Warriors spoke to you. No, perhaps not. But well, maybe uh, I'll buy you a copy of Eaten Alive for your birthday, even though that's just gone. Happy birthday, Tom. Uh, the uh, I'll buy you a copy of it, and you can put it on eBay. Uh, a week <laughs> later, we'll sell it to a listener. That would be wonderful, wouldn't it? In, it yeah, in joke, in joke. <laughs> so that's it, guys. That's the end of the reviews. Tom, I think it's time right now. You know what it's time for, don't you? I do. It's time for some feedback. Hi there again, chaps. It's Andy Roberts here. So we'll start off with Eaten Alive. A series of Murder by Darth starts the movie off, and the frankly beautiful Jeanette Agron appears from City of the Living Dead. Cannibal veterans Ivan Rasimov and Mimi Lai make an appearance from Last Cannibal World and Man from Deep River. Even Cannibal Holocaust's Robert Kerman shows up as our hero. So our heroine gets information from a street urchin, and doesn't even bother to help her when she's attacked. She swans off to New Guinea in search of her sister, who's joined a sect. After a lot of jungle tomfoolery, which results in their two guides being killed, 
Mark and Sheila stumble into Jonas's cult, where there's a half-arsed but still unpleasant rape scene, as well as a strangely passive Sheila being violated with a wooden dildo covered in snake blood. But then again, like her sister, she's stoned out of her mind. Diane, running off her Jonas spiel and her Oh my god, I've been such a fool! made me laugh at the shambolic dubbing. They attempt escape only for Diana and Mara to be caught and raped by Jonas's men, and then eaten alive by the cannibals. Particularly unsatisfying, although Sheila being punched out by Mark to avoid her seeing a dead sister did make me giggle. Like Jim Jones, who Jonas is based on, he and his entire cult commit ritualistic suicide. Our heroes, I mean if you can call them that, then escape in a helicopter and it's the end of the movie. Even though Sheila doesn't really seem that taxed about her sister being killed, Robert Kerman actually fancied Jeanette Agron so much that he performed the helicopter stunt himself to impress her. It's hard for me at the end of the movie not to notice how much of this movie is cut and pasted from other films. The alligator attack, the castration scene, and the feasting of the snakes and lizards is stolen from Mountain of the Cannibal God. Even part of Mimi Lai's death scene is nicked from Last Cannibal World. And true to the genre, there are the obligatory animal cruelty scenes, and many more than usual at that, but here, it's particularly pointless as they're actually cut and pasted from other films, such as Mountain of the Cannibal God and Man from Deep River. I was sort of entertained by it, as I'm a bit of a sucker for the cannibal genre, but it is one of the weakest entries. We'll move on to Savage Terror, or Primitives as my coffee was called. It starts with a probably unlicensed use of Kraftwerk as the opening credits music, and then introduces our stereotypical Jungle Wanderer protagonists, Robert, Rita and Tommy. Unlike most cannibal movie heroes, they seem quite respectful to the natives. I notice that the soundtrack is really interesting, and it gives a trippy, psychedelic, cosmic feel to proceedings. After successfully bonding with the first native tribe, the students want to venture further, but unfortunately their raft crashes into a rock, and they're separated and stranded in cannibal territory. The couple's guide is killed in a jungle trap, and they're kidnapped by the primitives. The natives themselves don't look too bad, but unfortunately all they can speak in is countless variations of ooh, and they think that most of their captives' possessions are edible. They then strip their victims, but they're too conservative to expose Rita's breasts or Robert's tackle. Shame. They then play with them, such as forcing them to piggyback, tease them with worms, grind on them while they're asleep, or just plain piss on them while they're caged. An exhausted Tommy finds some hallucinogenic apples and gorges hungrily only to have a bizarre trip later on. Rita and Robert are reunited in their cage to the sound of Princess Leia's theme music from Star Wars, and Robert reveals that the Lord may be the only one able to help them escape. Tommy reunites with the tour guide only for him to be killed by alligators that swarm him in some actually quite impressive underwater shots. The couple soar out of the cage anyway using a bone and they flee with Tommy. It's cut short when the savages catch up with them and the unfortunate Tommy is speared. The almost naked Robert, oofed, fights the attacker with such macho-ness that the native stone axe boomerangs around his head and slices the attacker's throat. After breaking a record for fastest raft ever made, our heroes make it to safety, but unfortunately Tommy perishes whilst having flashbacks of his happier moments. At the end of it, I'm actually quite surprised by this one. The protagonists weren't your typical dicks that you wanted to see eviscerated. The cannibals didn't actually practice any cannibalism on screen. The film was female nudity free, and there was a degree of thought about cinematography. I'd actually go so far as to say I enjoyed this one rather a lot. Unfortunately, the film was peppered with the expected animal cruelty of the genre. Both of these movies were clearly on section 3 because of the gore, sexual violence and animal cruelty throughout. But more importantly, they were cannibal films which thanks to Cannibal Holocaust were an automatic hot potato for the DPP.
we have an email from Myron Schmidt, good friend of the show, one of the ancient slumber boys, along with Chris Ward, and he writes, Chris and Tom, hope all is well and glad the show is back on the air. We are too. Uh, so here he talks about Savage Terror, also known as Primitives, uh, was not an award winner by any cry of the imagination. First off, what was that crazy electronica song at the beginning? Very odd and really didn't flow with the movie at all. It's a Kraftwerk song called The Robot, I believe by the way, Myron, uh, this may be called Savage Terror, but I consider it more of a savage bore. It might be easier to tell you things that were good with this movie, like the ending credits, for instance. Well, to be honest, that was the only good thing about this one. Take, for instance, the character Tommy, who said he wanted a closer look at the primitives as his two friends are running from becoming dinner. This movie is packed with those types of gems, in quotation marks. Take my advice and leave this one on the Section 3 list where it belongs. He then talks about Eaten Alive. This one was much better than Savage Terror. It had a plot and story and even a few pieces of decent script writing. It was even a bit watchable at times. The large amount of female nudity helped that. Uh, the cannibal storyline was really secondary to the entire storyline. Its main arc was a sinister was a sister trying to rescue her sister from a crazed cult leader in the jungles of New Guinea. Cannibals appear from time to time, and at the end, when the final two characters are escaping, there was a commensurate eating of a naked woman and cutting off a penis, but they were minor players and added for gore effects alone. The big niggle for me was the animal killings and rapey parts. I could have done without those parts. I have watched these once and will not do so again. Cheers. Thanks, Myron. Our friend Daniel Budnick from Made for TV Mayhem has sent us a bit of feedback. He says, The first thing I have to say is that I'd forgotten Eaten Alive began at Christmas time. Merry Christmas in July, guys. Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas. It's funny to imagine reaching the bottom of the barrel in the cannibal film genre. It's one of the most reviled subgenres out there, possibly because one of its main tropes is animal violence. Even the film that is considered to be its to be its best, Cannibal Holocaust is still something that the average human being would go nowhere near, and possibly rightly so. I'd seen Eaten Alive before, and I remembered it being the nadir of a category of films that is used as an example of the word nadir. And in the OED, what I hadn't realised is that the Indonesians were giving the Italians a run for the money with their film Savage Terror. Savage Terror seems like it might be a joke at first, when the lead actress removes her jungle travel gear and she's wearing a t-shirt that says Danger is my business, someone's having a laugh, especially when it cuts to a shot of several cannibals leering at her. I guess they'd never seen a t-shirt before. Barry Prima struts around looking handsome, and there's some other guy with glasses who graces us with a semi-psychedelic vomit scene that makes me think you two should receive financial recompense for watching these films and discussing them. Yeah, me too. <laughs> the problem with Savage Terror, yes I know just one, is that the film doesn't inflict its violence generally upon the three humans who go into the jungle. It attacks the animals. I won't go into detail, but it feels like the Indonesian filmmakers misread something. They should have had more edible humans in their film. They overemphasized the violence against the animals. They have misread possibly one of the most grotesque tropes ever in pop culture. It isn't until the end that the main three get really threatened, but then it becomes goofy again, because as one guy with glasses is dying, he has flashbacks of all them on water slides somewhere. I understand your whole life flashes before, before your eyes in your last moments, and I also love water slides, but it is as ridiculous as that t-shirt from earlier, plus the constant yelling of the cannibals, especially the women, ranges from annoying to hilarious. 
ladle on some real weird disco synth native music and you've got such an odd film that sadly feels like it goes on about 30 minutes longer than it should. Now Eaten Alive fits its time slot but it's not fun. Actually neither film is fun. I don't expect all films I watch to be fun but Eaten Alive is missing the semi-camp oddness of Lenzi's Make Them Die Slowly. It's a misanthropic, unpleasant journey that only occasionally has moments that made me not sigh constantly. Mimi Lay, I adore her, I wish she was my special friend. The movie has several scenes stolen from other cannibal films. It can be fun to try and spot which ones they are, and it's interesting to think that. The first cannibal movie, The Man from Deep River, had Ivan Rasimov as the hero, plus Mimi as the cannibal lady I'd take home to mother. While this film, at the tail end of the subgenre, has Ivan as a Jim Jones-esque dildo-wielding jerk. That last sentence made me realise I'm becoming as cynical as Lindsay. I think the Indonesian filmmakers were just ripping off what they'd seen. I don't see that as being cynical, just kind of misguided. So I'd like to recommend some other films. Lindsay, watch Eyeball or Ghost House instead, both super fun. Indonesian films, watch Serigula. Also with Barry Prima, it's their Friday the 13th ripoff. Also, any action film directed by Arizal is kick And The Warrior from 1981. Of course. These films gave me heartburn. I'm going to take an antacid and watch some highlights from the 1987 test match between India and Pakistan. I need to cleanse my palate and my soul. Thank you, Daniel. And we have an email from a new feedbacker, I believe, and a new listener, certainly. It's Benjamin uh, Vip, V-I-P-P, as we know him on Twitter. I'm not going to read your surname because you don't want me to do that. He says, hi, Chris and Tom. I made my way here from the Twilight Zone of all places. How did you get lost there? Uh, I can honestly say I'm enjoying the show. I started with the Hills Have Eyes episode in your back catalogue and was delighted to hear you both had a hard time loving that film. I grew up with people who loved movies based only on the popularity of the films, and so I always felt left out in the cold when people gushed over the Hills Have Eyes. Subsequently, after listening to the podcast, I raided my local charity shops and got a handful of movies for less than nothing, including the Hills Have Eyes remakes. And I agree with you both, it is a good film. And it has that meat and ball tucking guy from The Silence of the Lambs in it, so that's a bonus too. I skipped the rape revenge reviews, not my cup of tea to be honest, so I was happy to listen to the recent Mad Doctor double bill. My favourite Mad Doctor is in Day of the Dead, but I'm not sure, is he entirely terrible? Anyway, I digress. The important thing is that I rewatched my Vipco DVD release of Eaten Alive and this is my unacademic two pence worth. After watching tons of cannibal films in my youth, I realised most of them had uh, some ill treatment of animals, little or no storyline, terrible dubbing, and lots and lots and lots and lots of breasts. And after digging out my Vipco DVD of Eaten Alive, I can say that it has all three in abundance. But I always expected more for my horror films, and this genre is tedious for me. I just can't get over how much nudity is in this cult community. I'm quite a functional thinking person, so I like things to have a reason where possible, and I imagine any cult leader who finds themselves setting up a new community would have at least some questions resistance to demanding all females have their baby feeders out all of the time. 
I'm not getting into feminism here, just basic science. It just wouldn't serve anyone, female or otherwise, very well to have their milk guns out all of the time. When that tribe lady in Eaton Alive jumps into the canoe and goes down river, how much harder would it have been if she'd got a splinter in the nip? Who has the first aid box? How far is it to the nipple treatment hut? What if the canoe has old jungle water on it and the now infected nipple has to be amputated? Now your cult has a series of women with one or no nipples. See Chris or Tom? I've only been in the tribe a moment and already saved you a headache. Just imagine now, Chris and Tom, that you and Tom are in a cult and Tom is your reluctant but enduring right-hand man. And Tom will ask you a series of important questions and you can only answer by saying a woman possibly painted in gold with her tits out. I expect it would get ridiculous very fast and so do cannibal films. Uh, Tom suggested questions to Chris. Do you want to read these out, Tom, quickly? Sure. Um, who do we contact to build this pleasure hut you want? A woman, possibly painted in gold with her tits out. If we catch a fisherman from the next tribe and decide to cut his dick off, who will carry that out? A woman, possibly painted in gold with her tits out. If you eat that strange lizard and get the shits again, who is best placed to scrape the slime out of your unflushable toilet, Chris? A woman, possibly painted in gold with her tits out. If I leave the podcast because I get a job presenting a new Twilight Zone TV show... Who do you want to take my place? A woman. Possibly painted in gold with her tits out. That's fair enough, that one, though, to be honest, isn't it? So, in short, cannibal films are silly and often boring with comedic levels of mammary gland exposure. My Eaten Alive DVD had dust on it and it's going back onto the unloved shelf where it will stay until you guys require the listeners to re-watch again. Ha ha. Thank you for putting the show together and I hope you keep it going for a long time yet, Vip. Thank you very much, Vip, a.k.a. Benjamin, for your mad-as-a-box-of-frogs email. Okay, interesting one there with Andrew. Completely flipped the other way. He kind of liked uh, Savage Terror, but wasn't too hot on eating alive. And I think a bit of a theme going through. Everyone seems to be at slightly different levels with these ones, don't yeah, they? Yeah, and that's fair enough. I think you know it's uh, Savage Terror. It is. I imagine it would surprise a few people. I mean, nobody here has said that it's really, really terrible. I think, which is the interesting thing. Um, if anything, it was Daniel actually who was saying that he kind of thought that Eaten Alive was the nadir of, of this genre, until he saw Savage Terror anyway. But certainly I think a surprising film in in, in as far as it's the level of competency involved. Like I say, not, not a very good movie, but, you know, better than, than a little bit better than expected, I, I would say. And Andrew felt that way. Yeah, interesting thing. And also interesting to, to sort of hear him saying that, that, like I was saying, several scenes were sort of ripped straight out of other movies, and I, I but I wasn't quite sure what those movies were. And so Mountain yeah. of the Cannibal God and films like that, I don't think I've seen that. So, uh, yeah, interesting. interesting. Andrew knows a lot yeah. about these kinds of movies. He does, he does. Uh, good buddy Myron, he says, uh, yeah, he wasn't too hot on Savage Terror either. And he says, this movie is packed with those type of gems. Take my advice and leave this one on the Section 3 list. Yeah, I think I agree with you on that one, mate. Not a big fan of the animal killings and rapey bits and eating alive, but... Thinks a bit more of that, and again, I think we're on the same page. Yeah, and Daniel, I mean, Daniel's seen a lot of it. You know, he, he and Amanda in, in particular, are, I think, are, are movie junkies, and they've probably seen a lot more movies than we have, and have seen a lot of these, he's seen a lot of these Indonesian movies that I haven't. So I'm particularly kind of interested in that, really. I might sort of pick his brain about some of the ones that, uh, some of the other ones that he recommends, and I might check them out, of course, starting with The Warrior. 
1981. Uh, but yeah, no, interesting feedback there from Daniel. Uh, thank you very much. And of course, we had some new feedback there from, from Benjamin, who wrote a big sort of long diatribe about how you felt about the movie. So not sure why you avoided the Rape Revenge podcast itself, because, um, you know, that is still, we try to make it entertaining for you, and we don't sort of go into into graphic detail or anything about the rape so it is you know even if you don't like that kind of movie which we don't either it is still you know safe for you to listen to uh, most mm. definitely but yeah it's uh, a bunch of interesting questions at the end there tom all answered with a woman possibly painted in gold with her tits out which i feel is the right response to most questions bit of a look inside what a pair of cults like us would be like if we were in a cult <laughs> i so. thought you were going to say a pair of cunts like us what would we think about this? Uh, so thank you very much, everybody, for sending in all your feedback. Uh, that's the end of the feedback section. And that's the end of the show. We've had a good time. Uh, we're done with the cannibal films now, Tom. So that's the end of that. We can kind of move forward into into other things. First of all, if you want to send some feedback over to us, you can, of course, do so. You send that, email that to feedback at strangeanddeadly.com. That's feedback at strangeanddeadly.com. And, of course, if you're sending an audio file, try not to make it longer than, than about four minutes um, email. Try and keep it to a few paragraphs if you can manage that. That would be great. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at uh, twitter.com forward slash strange deadly no and in there just strange deadly tom where can they find you um grindhouse tom yep that's on twitter and you're also on instagram aren't you tom and uh on oh Let- yeah grindhouse tom yep, on letterboxd well. and i am the chris clayton that's the chris clayton on twitter uh, the same on instagram and the same on letterboxd where i post about my movie viewing uh fantasticness uh just making up a word there uh, so that is that, really, isn't it, guys? Now, Tom, now that we're done with cannibals, of course, we continue uh, on our journey through the Section 3 list. We're getting through it pretty well. What is the theme of the next episode and the films we'll be covering? Well, we're done with cannibals, but we're not done with cults. Mm. So a nice little link there that was not intended no. at all. These uh, these two are satanic cult movies. I'm quite looking forward to this one. Something a bit different, something we haven't touched on before not that i can remember yeah. anyway the memory's getting a bit hazy now but um they are called enter the devil and suicide cult so let's hope we can find them first but uh, that's what's coming up next yeah and i know for a fact that ivan razumov who played jonas in uh eaten alive is in enter the devil yeah so it's enter the devil and suicide cult the theme is satanic cults and it's coming to you on the next episode of the strange and deadly show i've been chris clayton and i'm tom elliott and thank you very much for listening hope you enjoyed it and we'll see you on the next one bye for now bye been listening to the strange and deadly show brought to you by gentlemen's grindhouse records with me chris clayton and tom elliott thank you to danny davis for the music and to dark ink one for the artwork you can visit our website at gentlemen's grindhouse records.com mm-hmm.